From the shores of Summer Lake in Tigard, Oregon, it's the Portland Tim Beers Podcast, a show featuring two guys who love craft beer and Portland Timbers soccer. And now, here are your hosts, Jason and Gary. Tim Beers, I'm Jason. And I'm Gary. We're the uh, Portland Tim Beers. We talk about soccer, beer, and pretty much whatever else we want. How you doing, buddy? Doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm living the dream, baby. <laughs> All day, raking leaves. Went, started in the front yard, made it look pretty. Yeah. Went to the backyard, Not made so it look much. pretty. <laughs> no, it was gorgeous. And then the wind came along? Then came back to the front yard. <laughs> couldn't even tell I did anything. Ridiculous. <laughs> All right, there's a beer. Oh. Number one on board. This is a Deschutes Jubilee for 2020. What are our thoughts? That's an interesting one this year. Yeah. It's uh, a little malty. Yeah. Um, and I'm not not seeing a ton ton else. Really? Yeah. It's not their it's not their usual like. Jubilee that doesn't taste like. Nope, it's uh, a little bit different. So uh, I don't know. It's good. It's got Every, some spice in it. Yeah, everything seems to be uh, very forward tasting on that one. Yeah, it's I'm not young. Getting much on the back end. Yeah, grab a bottle, throw it in your fridge, and forget about it for about five <laughs> years. Five years. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, speaking about Deschutes. Uh, so Tuesday we're supposed to do Abysmus. Ooh, Abysmus. That's uh, November tenth. Yeah. Uh, remember, remember how that uh, thing came down. Yeah. Who gave us the invite for Abysmus? Yeah. Oh, that was uh, Tim, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. Tim texts us and he says, "Hey, you want to go to Abysmus?" Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure I said uh, depends on my work schedule. Yeah, you did. And uh, so, Debbie and I are this week, and we're walking around. She's like, hey, did you make reservations by chance? I'm like, no. <laughs> so, I go check on the reservation status, and they've been shut down for two weeks. Yeah. Left a message. Text Tim. No, no response. Called right. Tim. And no response. Gives me a, hey, can I call you back later thing. And then... He texts me and says, hey, what do you want? I said, hey, we making reservations for Abysmus? Um, we still on? Because I'd like basically blocked my schedule. Yeah. He's like, nope, I can't go. Jamie's got to do something. Nobody can watch the kid. And totally bailed. Classic Tim style. Freaking Tim. That's classic Tim style, though. I'm like, literally, I was supposed to be up in Wenatchee this week. Yeah. <laughs> no. So... I'm scrambling, working the work schedule. So that brings up the next question. Do we tar and feather him? Well, we could. Yeah. But Tim sent out that big email about, hey, who wants to do beer advent calendars, right? Right. I wonder if that's still on. I don't know. We got to get him the beer, but well, we got to get him the beer, but we also got to make sure he's still doing it, Mister Flaky Pants. Because is... I'm not going to go buy six four packs and then have him flake out on it. Yeah, well, I've already got two of the four packs, so I've got uh... Timothy. You got to pull your shit together, dude. You're not even working, so yeah. What the <laughs> what hell are you doing, man? Jeez. Uh, all right. Well, so I'm gonna swing by and pick some abyss this week, and. Uh, See how it goes. I can't. The bar inside shut down into shoots in the downtown Portland location. Yeah. So I can't believe it's going to be that busy. You but wouldn't think, we'll but see. you just never know. Could be a lo- big long line out the door. Could be. Yeah. We'll have to see. Well, so we watched the Timbers game earlier today. Yep. Um, Timbers are going to the playoffs. We knew that. Yeah. Uh, did not finish in first in the West. No. Uh, Kansas City uh, locked that up with their win today. Yep. Timbers then somehow drifted down to third. Like, even if they had won, they would have been in third. But, like, anyhow. So they're third, and they end up taking on, who did we decide? FC Dallas. Yeah, FC Dallas. Yeah. Well, I think that's a that's kinda, a good one. Kind of the best draw they could have had with the situations that they were looking at. With a loss, 
Um, yeah, I would not want to have hounded it had to play uh, L.A. right off the bat, as bad as they were handing their, um, getting our asses handed to them by them today. Yeah, they just look anemic. But part of that, Char was not in the game. He's out on his yellow card suspension. Right. So they didn't look great. And then just everybody looked off. Ebo needs to be back because Flores doesn't look amazing right now. No. He looks off. So, and I almost feel like he has gotten too comfortable with uh, Nizgoda out and Ebo out. So he's just yeah. like, yeah, I got the start, whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so we need some. We need some fire back need in this some group. Energy and fire. I think we can beat Dallas, but then it's either LAFC or Seattle in the or next Seattle. round. Yeah. So we're gonna have to have our shit together for that. I kind of hope it's just Seattle. <laughs> just, <laughs> just let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, what about that yellow card on Aspria, dude? Booting the Boot keeper the head. in the head, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what's funny though is I thought I thought for sure Esprit was actually going to get to that ball before the keeper did. Oh, I did too. But and then the keeper just magically came out of nowhere. And yeah. Him to it. I just don't. I don't get the little swing because it wasn't a hard swing, but it was still enough leg movement yeah, yeah. as he was vaulting over him. Yeah. So. I don't know. That's tough. I mean, there's milliseconds there, and who knows right. what's going on. So, Well, so uh, you were fixing the brew equipment today. Yep. So yep, you yep. are back on the board. Should have it all back up and running, uh, hopefully with something in the tank by this weekend. So what exactly did you do? Um, I had to re-solder the um, power cords for the... Uh, electronic temperature control unit. Oh, okay. Um, it it had been faulty. It had been the connections had been coming apart uh, for the last couple of brew cycles, and I was just making do. Had resoldered them actually on the last brew cycle, and then was moving the garbage bins out one day, and it clipped one, and it wasn't on there secure enough apparently, and it pulled it off again. So. I had to do a complete re, re, redo on the solder job. Huh. Well, so it's up and... Did you do a test on it at all to make sure it's working? Yeah, I did do a test. Um, did an initial test and found out that I had some wires touching. So I had to go back in and redo it. Uh, so a little short job ended up being a lot longer than what I wanted to today. But at least it's up and running. Yeah, totally. Well, um, that means you should be brewing soon, right? Yeah, I just now I just need to get oxygen. Oh. You know, I can do without, I guess, but um, I prefer to have oxygen when I'm brewing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so... And then i got to get the ingredients. But, yeah, I'm thinking of just doing the Christmas ale again. Why don't you just order oxygen off, like, an Amazon or something? Um, I don't know if they deliver that. Really? Yeah. I thought they did. I mean, if they do, great, but I think, I know with tanks, a lot of times they'll deliver an empty tank, but I don't know that they'll actually deliver the gas. Huh. Interesting. Well, because it's just the little red ones they're getting, right? Yeah. 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 Just order them from Sharon. She's got them sitting there. Or, yeah, I mean, any place, Home Depot, anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I just so. got to get out and get it. You lazy ass. I bet Ace had it, and you were there at Ace. Oh, you know what? They might have. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I bet they've got them right there, and you yeah, were just there. I'll have to go take a look again. There you go. Ace is the place. Gives me another reason to walk down there. Ace is the place. For the hardware man. Yeah. Well, so uh, I've got nothing brewing. I've, I should have uh, done some stuff with my mash this week. Yeah. Did not do anything. And uh, so here we are. Another week's going to go by, and... I'm going to have to do something. So, and I've got to get the ingredients for the uh, the uh, big baddie, so into the abyss. Yeah. Got to get that going. So, we'll see how that goes. I'm I'm lazing around myself, so. Well, you know, when the work schedule kicks up, it, it tends to eat in to recovery times on the weekends, and you just don't feel like doing anything. I wish it was that, dude. I did molding today downstairs. <laughs> you like, were doing a lot of stuff. I huh? did a lot of freaking molding, I'll tell you that. 
My whole garage is full of molding that I stained yeah. and did that. And then uh, I was ripping down molding, doing molding downstairs. So the boss wants it uh, fixed and up and pretty before Thanksgiving. She's oh, like, yeah. you've yeah. been sitting on this for two years. Get your ass in gear. <laughs> I was like, yes, ma'am. So, yeah. So uh, what do we got? So I was up in Wenatchee a couple weeks ago and uh, sat down with this awesome awesome guy by the name of dave quick dave quick owns badger mountain brewing um awesome beers a little brewery there in wenatchee washington uh downtown area i believe they call it the river walk or riverfront area Hmm. there's a collection of about three or four breweries down that way and um you look up on the hills behind the brewery above downtown and that's where mission ridge ski resort sits Huh. And uh, so you can actually take the train into Wenatchee from Portland and go skiing. Oh, no kidding. Yep. So might have to think about that one a little bit. So. Yeah. And then I was reading. Well, I will get into it on the skiing. But essentially I was reading about some uh, ski pass deals that look pretty sweet. So, But uh, let's give this uh, interview. Dave sat down with me. Uh, it's kind of a two-part interview. Um, and I'll explain the second part here uh, <laughs> afterwards. But, uh, but that said, here's my interview with Dave Quick from Badger Mountain Brewing. All right. Jason from the Timbers here. Um, I'm here at Badger Mountain Brewing, and I'm with the owner and founder. Uh, and so I'll let you take uh, some time, Dave, to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about your brewery. Okay. Yes, I'm David Quick. Um, we started this brewery uh, a little over eight years ago. Opened the doors a little under eight years ago. It took about six m- months of construction to get it up and running. Um, we're a 15-barrel brew house brewery with 30-barrel fermenters. Uh, We've got a restaurant area that that holds about 115 people, and uh, that's been an interesting challenge lately. Yeah, your uh, your background's interesting. So let's take this back. How did I find this place? So two months ago, I roll into town, wet behind the ears as it relates to Wenatchee, and I'm like, I need a cold beer. And so here I stop in, and we're right in the middle of COVID. <clears throat> and uh, there's a few people inside, but... Uh, uh, I'm like, wow, this is a pretty happening place. And I meet Dave, and Dave says, hey, try our beers. And you treated me really well. I tried all your beers on tap mm-hmm. there. But then also had this incredible pizza so uh, that was a recommendation as well. So excellent food menu for the listeners, outstanding beers. Um, let's delve into how you got into, hey, I'm going to open a brewery here in the middle of Wenatchee. I started home brewing in about... 92 or 93 and looked at opening a brewery in 96 or 7 and worked on that for about a year and a half and then decided not to. I had young kids at home and and uh, didn't know if I wanted to take that kind of risk at that point. And so in 2011 or 12 I decided I was going to do it and started looking for property and I spent about a year and a half looking for the property we're in Seems like a ridiculous amount of time, but it, if you're looking for a home, it's not. Um, and we spent mm, about six months remodeling the space, uh, put way too much money into it. We're renting the building, um, hopefully be able to buy it pretty soon, but that remains to be seen. <laughs> but this all started with home brain you know, 26 years ago. Yeah. And, and a number of the recipes that we have on, or beers that we have on, tap or recipes I've developed at home. So are they, uh, so homebrewing in Wenatchee, is there a homebrew shop in Wenatchee? There's, uh, Stan's Mary Mart has homebrew supplies. That's the only place in town that I'm aware of anymore that has homebrew supplies. And we do have a homebrew club, which is quite active and a good group of folks. Um, I go to their meetings periodically. I'm not as often as I used to, but. Or do you host them here, or where are they held at? Yeah, we've hosted it oh, here, good. but it's usually at somebody's home. Oh, sweet. Good. Yeah, I mean, you, you always take a look at the brew scene and are looking for a, a homebrew shop where people can pick up supplies and ingredients, but also with that is the homebrew clubs. Uh, again, kind of the heart and soul of a thriving brew scene. So mm-hmm. interesting that you guys have that, and it sounds like it's going well, huh? Yeah. The, um, well, in fact, the, um, 
the brewers uh, for uh, Columbia Valley Brewing, which is down the road from us, they're all home brewers. Oh. Um, none, none brew professionally. They're all home brewers, and they were brewing on their equipment. So it's kind of fun. Wow. So. Yeah, interesting. So what beers, uh, as you were coming up through the home brewing ranks, um, you're doing batches, 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 trying to perfect things. What's your claim to fame as it relates to uh, beer uh, that you did as a home brewer? Probably the most popular one that still remains from my home brewing days is the Arondo Copper Ale, which is an English-style ESB. And we talked about that, yeah. Um, you know, it's a good, solid beer. Um, and then I, if I'd had my choice when I was home brewing, all I would have brewed is IPAs. I love IPAs. <laughs> I could drink IPAs all day long. But uh, somewhere along the line, my wife complained that I never made anything that she liked. And, <laughs> Wives. And, yeah. And she like she really likes Guinness, and she's been to Ireland and had it on tap, and uh, she really likes Guinness, and so I came up with a dark beer, and now she drinks that. That's the problem about educating her wives, I got the same problem. <clears throat> I introduced her to a uh, Black Widow Porter by McMenamins and an Abyss Stout by Deschutes, and that's what she holds everything the standard by. Everything's got to be like that. Yep. And uh, I'm like, my goodness, there's other beers other than that. So, <laughs> but um, so up there, you got you got a bunch of beers on tap. I see sours. I see a bunch of guest taps. I see a bunch of crazy guest tap illustrations here behind me uh, when you walk in. Um, so tell me about beer selection. So you obviously have a good assortment of your own beers, but you're also opening uh, open to bringing in other types of beers into the into the place here. Yeah, when we first started, it was brewing on our pilot system and could only do a keg at a time and uh, so we had a lot of guest beers on tap and then when it was about six months after we opened we got we commissioned the brewing system and so then i started producing in quantity but up until that point just about everything we had was a guest beer and uh, but then we got to the point where we had almost no guest beers it was all stuff that we did so i built another tap box and line and and uh, we added 12 more taps okay and that was all supposed to be guessed well now we're encroaching on that as well <laughs> but we always keep a few ciders on 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 tap uh, ciders are popular and for people that aren't beer drinkers it's wine or cider yep. and we have wines as well the the number of guest beers that we have on has, has shrunk considerably we're down to four now um, and, uh, I'm looking up there. That's pretty. That's pretty much where we're at. Yeah. And then we do a house root beer of our own, which is made from sticks and, and leaves and <laughs> seeds and roots and all kinds of stuff. So that's kind of a fun one. Part of the craft beer scene, I think, is is having a unique root beer. I've been yeah. a lot of places where they had their own root beer. And I, I always agree. thought that was fun. Like, so we, on the podcast, we talk about Kolsch is like how we kind of judge our breweries because you, you can't hide anything in a Kolsch or a really clean Pilsner. So you're either a good, good brewery or not based upon that. And then the other piece is root beer, man. I think root beer is absolutely an understated thing for a brewery because it takes you back to, pardon the pun, the roots of where you were, right? Yep, yep. And um, and I love a good root You can actually tell a lot from a brewery by how their root beer turns out. So, And I haven't tried your root beer, so I should try that. Yeah, we'll have to get a sample yeah, of that. So, um, so what am I drinking? I'm drinking two things in front of me here. One you poured from the tank, um, and it's still doing its magic. Mm-hmm. And then I've got another thing that's sitting here, um, which I believe is the Maltese. Can, what, can you tell me about these two beers? The Maltese is an experimental that we did... Um, we did a pandemic series while we were shut down during during the COVID um, quarantine. We uh, about once a week we brewed and we did an experimental. Just tried all kinds of things. And the Maltese is is one of those. It's it's just a multi pale ale. There's nothing super special about it. Um, and then what you have in the other glass is, is something I pulled out of the fermenter. It's just finishing up. It's about seven and a half percent alcohol. It's, yeah. a, it's a Cascadian. Um, black IPA, and we're calling it Black Death um, for the time being. Um, <laughs> but uh, reference the to the plague of the you know thirteen fourteen hundreds. But yeah, yeah. So um, is this going to be part of the pandemic series too? Yeah, it, yeah. You know, it is. It's one of our experimentals that we did um, during the pandemic series, and we just did it on the big system. So. Yeah, I love the fact. I remember coming in here 
several weeks ago. I've been in here multiple times now. But the Pandemic Series fascinates me. So you've got this whole line of Pandemic Series beers, experimental beers. But um, all fantastic, all great beers. I mean, you're brewing good, clean beer. And um, what I love is it's not a particular style. I and mean, it's all over the board. You're experimenting with all sorts of different things and flavors. Um, you had a stout on, which had some orange in it, I think, mm-hmm. I recall. Yep, yeah. the Zarina. Yeah. Russian Imperial Stout. Yeah, yeah. Well, the listeners will know that uh, I'm a I'm a sucker for a good Imperial Stout, and so yeah, I was immediately drawn to that, and <laughs> it did not let me down. So <laughs> that's one of my favorite beers. Period. Yeah, huge grain bills, but uh, God, man, <laughs> when you nail them, they're good. So yep, good. So um, talk about the beer scene here. We talked a little bit about Homebrew Club. We talked a little bit about um, the Homebrew Shop in town. But how's the brew scene in Wenatchee, East Wenatchee? Um, are they, is it thriving? Is it not thriving? Is it growing? Is it, um, how's it doing during COVID? Yeah, I, I in general, I, I, I thought it was growing. We had a, we had a new brewery open, um, February last year that closed February of this year, oh. which was a little disappointing. It was a 20 barrel brew house. And who was that? Uh, 509 okay. Brew Works. And, and we have a local brewer's row. Uh, we were trying to, you know, put together an organization of local breweries. We've got uh, Columbia Valley Brewing, uh, Wenatchee Valley Brewing, us, and then we had 509. And so that looked like, hey, we're growing. Yeah. You know, there's a beer scene happening. Well, 509 didn't make it, um, and it's tough to make it in this town. It is really tough. Nobody, I mean, nobody's making it just on beer. Right. Um, if you don't have food, you're, you're done. Um, and, and then... It's really hard to tell this year because we've had the we've had the quarantine and we've got a bunch you know, of we're at, you know we were at one point five on the phases uh, for four months, so we you know I, I don't even feel like we've been open this year. Right, it's just been kind of pretend. So it's it's going to be hard to tell what what our beer you know scene looks like until this COVID business is over. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, the Bruce scene is definitely popping. So as far as that downtown waterfront type feel, do yep. you guys fit into that? You're, what, I would say, the southern end of that <clears throat> from some of those. Is that right geographically here? Anyways, you're, yep. da- you're down a yep. little bit away from that, but yep. you're up more towards the downtown blocks, which yep. is cool, yep. too. Yeah, some we're in the center of downtown. Trendy coffee shops and all sorts of yep. stuff around you that um, I think people would gravitate to. Um, so distribution. So I had this theory that um, pre-COVID, those that were positioned as far as um, something different um, other than slinging beers out of your own taps were going to be the ones that truly survived. And there would be some outliers within that. But those with distribution models where they were serving, sending their beers out the doors that were already pre-set up were going to do well. So Bell Breaker, obviously a huge distribution model, massive company doing just fine. Um, but a smaller mom and pop or a smaller tap house just starting is going to have a hard time if they're just slinging beers. Um, you guys are doing a little bit of distribution. We talked about this pre-recording. Um, what have you seen from the distribution side? Is it is it staying steady? Is it not? What are some of the difficulties? And I know we talked about that, but yeah. Well, the 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 about the only thing that was selling for three months was packaged products. So if you didn't have something in cans or bottles, you weren't selling anything. Because you weren't open, and neither was anybody else that you know had had your beer on tap. And that's only that's only improved you know a little bit. We're um, we're at you know phase two now, fifty percent occupancy. We can have six unrelated people at a table. I mean, it's just this kind of. I, 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 anyway, shouldn't probably shouldn't talk about that. Um, yeah. The, uh, well, you've got two very it's conservative a spot. hosts. It's a sore spot. Yeah. Now you got two very conservative hosts. I happen to be in the wrong field, but yeah, again, you're not out of line. So. <laughs> So, so it's it, um, you know, and I think I think Bill Breaker, you know, uh, they did great because they're huge into canned products, right. and we had uh, a canning run slated to to be a, oh, a couple two three weeks after everybody got shut down completely in quarantine, and I canceled it thinking I don't know what's going to happen I don't know where we're going to be at and I right. just put it all on hold. Well, as it turns out, I probably shouldn't. Well, I definitely shouldn't have done that. I should have gone ahead and canned because that was the only thing that was selling. People were still going to the grocery store and buying six packs and toilet cases. paper, right? And toilet paper, <laughs> yeah. But they sure weren't coming, you know, coming to our place to drink beer. So, yeah, the, the package product was the only thing that, that worked. And still, for, I think for a lot of people, that's a big chunk of 
their sales is, is still packaged product, you know, yeah. even though they're partially open on their restaurant or taproom side. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the tap houses that are not breweries, uh, the growler shops as we call yeah. them, yeah. Um, have converted over to bottles and cans, right? Yeah. Because what again, for, you don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah I mean they, they're not pouring pouring growlers out, and and some of that's starting to loosen up county by county, but still, the way these guys survived any of these was packaged product. So. Um, interesting. So, how has been distribution for a business your size? Um, easy to work with the distributors, not so easy. What are some of the challenges? So, I'm going to open a brewery, and um, how do I navigate around that? Do I go full self distribution? Do I say, nope, I'm going to do partial distribution with partial self distribution? You know, we were talking about that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you're in a large metropolitan area, self distribution probably makes sense. Uh, you're giving up a good third of the retail price that the that the restaurant or, or bar is going to pay for that keg to have someone else distribute it for you i mean roughly you know uh, you know distributor sells it for 100 you're get, or 150 you get 100 yeah you're dealing the middleman right yeah so, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and they're taking a pretty sizable chunk but they're also providing a service they're they're kind of doing sales but not really uh, they're taking orders, they're delivering, they're picking up empty kegs. I don't know if that's worth 50 bucks a keg. I really don't think it is. Um, <laughs> but we're in a rural area where everything's very spread out, and the distributor is making weekly trips out to these different communities, and that works. Whereas, for, you know, for a large for a distributor, but for an individual brewery, it absolutely does not work. It's like we were talking about earlier. I can, you know. Had a situation a couple of times where somebody's asking me to drive 40 miles to deliver a, a six barrel of, of beer to them. And Makes no nobody sense. else up there wants anything. Well, you can't do that. You've lost right. a ton of money if you if you put yourself in that situation. So, you know, and distribution is a challenge. There there are some really good distributors. There are some really lousy ones. Uh, most of them will tell you everything that they think they want you you want to hear and uh, and do what they usually do. Uh, I, it's really been very disillusioning dealing with distributors. Yeah, it's interesting because they do have a stranglehold on kind of what's going on. They're they're the ones negotiating for tap space. They're the ones negotiating on the can side, production side, um, with grocery store shelves, and they have that locked up. And that's that's interesting for me when I walk into a grocery store here, or and it really started in Yakima, where I'm like, the amount of product that's here and available for how much good beer is in this area is is ridiculous like it should be way better i mean there's places nice grocery stores in the portland metro area in the seattle area and you walk in and they've got bottles and cans Huge from slush. everybody right but you don't see that here because the distributors have that locked down so well and we're kind of in the middle of nowhere right i mean we're not on i-90 we're um we're in Wenatchee, you know. It's, uh, yeah, but Wenatchee's <laughs> happening. I mean, you've got a great ski hill, right? So oh, we yeah, talked no, about that. Is, no, so. this is a great place to live. It's <laughs> right. a great recreation area. We've got year-round recreation, whether it's, right. you know, uh, snowmobiling, water skiing, snow skiing, hunting, hiking, backpacking. I mean, it's just, I mean, we've got a rowing club down the river. You can get, you can get, you know, rowing shells or, or kayaks <laughs> or whatever, you know, right on the river. And you can see. How know, does that affect beer brewing, though? Like, so you've got year-round recreation. Do you change your beer styles based upon season, based yeah, upon recreation? Much, it's pretty much like it is everywhere. You know, people, okay. people don't drink dark beers um, during the middle of summer. Typically. Some of us don't drink dark beers in the middle of summer. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of us do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm leaning more towards my wife's perspective of dark beers than mine used to be. I, Appreciate and enjoy dark beers a lot more, um, but no, it is very seasonal, and and we'll see. You know, but then you have something like Mission Ridge, our local ski area. You know, they'll order beer from us. It's usually a crisp, refreshing, light beer, and that's what I want when I've been up skiing. Right, absolutely. I, I come off the hill. I want something. Right. I want. I don't want one more beer, but I want something pretty close. Right. Right. And and uh, you know so. They're ordering that kind of beer in the wintertime. So. Yeah, I need something crushable right now yeah, off yeah. the lift. That's yeah. what I need. Yeah, yeah. so. Um, all right, so this is a standard question I ask most of the guys. This, from, our, from our discussions, I could, I, I could see you saying something totally different. But So when you look at the brew demigods, the guys that are out there that were known for brewing that really got us our start, um, uh, if you could go back in time and sit down with any of them, or maybe they're still alive, who would you sit down with them, we'll pick two of them um, and have a beer with. So, kind of the founders. I mean, there's people have used Michael Jackson, 
Bert Grant. I mean, all sorts. Yeah. And Bert Grant was an interesting guy. Did you meet Bert Grant? No, oh. no. But talked to lots of people that had. You know, yeah. He did his own malting. And, yeah. And I think he might even have grown his own hops. I mean, the guy did. He did everything. You know, pretty interesting fellow. Um, the I'm trying to blank on the guy's name. The guy that started Anchor Steam in, in uh, San Francisco. Oh yeah, I toured their brewery down there. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah um, I haven't met him, but I sat down with a. Uh, uh, they had a chit chat with he and the guy that started Sierra Nevada. I'm drawing a blank yeah. on all the names, but they had you know they had kind of a casual conversation at, at uh, one of the uh, brewers conferences and. And it was really interesting hearing from those guys where they're at. Things have changed a lot. Right. Um, you know, they, they say that um, that excess profits breed ruinous reward, and and especially if it's a fun industry to be in, like brewing. Yep. Um, the guys that got in early, it was wide open. You know, it was all kinds of territory, all kinds of growth. Now it's getting a little tough. Yeah. Um, it's not. You know, we've got. Hundreds of breweries in Washington State, and every one of them like to have their product on the grocery store shelf. Right. You know, it's, right. It, there isn't room for everybody, and there are different kinds of markets. Right. You know, there's there's a number of them that don't distribute at all. I mean, it's just they're, they're brew pubs. Yeah, thing. I think there's opportunity for contract. I mean, in contracture, right? So we're obviously seeing contracture. You talked about a brewery shutting down here, yeah. um, and and that's certainly being reflected in the Portland metro area, Seattle area, um, Yakima area. You're seeing breweries just go away. And so with that, those that can survive and kind of ride that out, I think will pay dividends to those that can last and really strengthen their brands through this. Um, and then you see. And then the interview stopped abruptly. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty cool first half. No, it's yeah. not even first half. We're two thirds of the way through. Okay. Um, but I'm sitting there and I had ordered a pizza. David is has an awesome chef there and and talks about his pizza and so I ordered a pizza and yeah. it shows up about halfway through that first part <laughs> and he the whole interview is eyeballing that pizza <laughs> like eyeballing <laughs> and like he's like looking at me looking at the pizza can I get some of that and I'm like dude what the heck's going on and then all of a sudden he gets up after that question that comment there yeah grabs my pizza and runs it to the back of the uh, restaurant, back to the uh, kitchen. <laughs> oh, shit. And I'm like, what the heck? What the heck? Fuck. And so he comes back, and he's like, well, I just wanted to make sure your pizza stays warm. I'm like, dude, <laughs> the was... definition of service. That was fantastic. Yeah. But meanwhile, I'm like, we're in the middle of interview. What the hell <laughs> What's the going on? Fuck you. And and I love that, because that the very first time I walked into this uh, brew pub, this is how David was, and this is how he works. Yeah. He doesn't change himself for anybody. This is just what that's he him. does. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. <clears throat> Unbelievable. So, well, I just poured us another beer. We'll play the end of the interview here after this. But uh, okay. uh, this is Benedictine's St. Gabriel. It's a double. A double? <laughs> and then you got hit in the face with it. What is it? <laughs> it's a Belgian beer, baby. Yeah, it's a Belgian <laughs> schmack. It's an interesting Belgian, though, because a, a lot of Belgian beers have that very clovey uh, taste to them. This right. does not have that. No, um, not at all. This this has got a very interesting kind of almost like a, a sour malt flavor up front mm-hmm. and then a dry finish. And then very fizzy. Like it's a, yes. and not like a yeah. like, not like a carbonation that like bites, but it's a soft fizz. It's almost effervescent and popping on your tongue yeah. type thing. So very interesting. Yeah. Well, let's give uh, the last part of this interview a whirl, and uh, then we'll come back and discuss more about Badger Mountain. Okay. So uh, contracture um, certainly, I think, breeds. Um, opportunities for those that can adjust and kind of navigate through that. Maybe there's some of those that are nimble. And so you guys seem like you're in that position. You talked about having to go to half batches and, mm-hmm. but I, I would call that strategic if anything, right? Um, oh yeah. You don't want to tie up all your kegs and, and cooling space with beer. That's going to be uh, over the hill before you sell it. Right. I mean, it has a shelf life. So you don't want to produce a year's worth in today's market when um, 
a couple of months worth is, is what's called for. So yeah, I, was, I remember talking to Kyle over at um, Bailbreaker, and he was talking about pre-COVID or as COVID was just starting to hit, they were dumping beer. I mean, they just yep. dumped it to get rid of it and versus selling it at a discounted rate because they were so concerned about quality. And it sounds like you kind of share that same vision. You're very focused on quality and putting out a good, good mm-hmm. product. Um, versus others may call it an experimental batch and <laughs> release it out yeah, the door, yeah. right? So yeah, we had some we had some beer come after we got opened up again. We uh, had some of the guest beer come through that was iffy at best. It was it was <laughs> over the hill. I yeah. mean, it wasn't completely over the hill, but it was headed there. And you know, and I can smell and taste just about any defect in a beer. And and they were getting really long in the tooth. It was time to dump them, but you know. And the other side is, I can hardly blame them. They're desperate. They need to get some yeah, money in. And, right. And, and and partly part of it was probably sitting at the distributors the whole time. Right. You know? so right. Somebody ordered it, and the distributor didn't pay attention to the age date on it, so the brewers lost control of it. And that's another that's another real. Yeah, problem. and that's an interesting point. Is how often do the distributors let beer just sit and they sell it at a discounted rate? I've got several buddies that are distributors, and yep. they do that. Yep. Hey, I've got a great deal on a keg, and but. The brewery then lose out, right? Because now there's a subpar product that the others floating around. Yeah, it damages everybody. Yeah. So, all right, man. Well, um, again, I appreciate the time. I appreciate yeah, the hospitality. It's again, it's uh, fantastic beers. If you guys get a chance to check out Badger Mountain Brewing, come out. Check them out in Wenatchee. Um, the ski resort is literally, you can see it from here, um, from downtown. Easy access. I believe you can take the train in, which is also what I plan on doing. Uh, COVID's, COVID's killing these guys. COVID's killing everybody here. And so you got to come out and support your local breweries. you got to come out and eat their food and drink their beer. And this is a good example of a place that you should support. So with that, Dave, I appreciate your time, man. Oh, you're very welcome. All right. Thank take you. care. Well, there it is. Quick end to that. Yeah. But, um, again, I can't say it enough, man. Awesome guy. Awesome place. Fantastic beer. Sits right on this brewer's row they talk about of about four to five different breweries. And um, Wenatchee is kind of a cool place. So um, if you get a chance to go to Wenatchee, go drink some beer at Dave's place. Go drink some beer at the other breweries that are there. Enjoy the great food. All of them have fantastic food. And uh, ski. <laughs> ski, yeah. ski, yeah, yeah, ski. Yeah, yeah. So. But yeah, so uh, let's see. What did I like there? They had uh, this orange chocolate beer the first time I was there. Okay. Uh, orange chocolate uh, stout, I believe is what it was. Um, they've got their whole experimental series for their COVID or their COVID pandemic series. Yeah, the pandemic series. Yeah, essentially uh, he makes these name, these horrible names because he's so pissed <laughs> off about the co- being shut down for COVID. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, it's actually pretty funny, this play. I can detect that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but that said, um, awesome guy, awesome place, so check it out. But, all right, well, so we're drinking this uh, St. Gabriel Double by Benedictine. Yeah. Pretty decent beer. Very interesting beer. Yeah, very interesting. Very different from the Jubal that we had before. Yeah. Still malty, though. I mean, it's, yeah, it's they're both malty got, beers. It's definitely malty. Um, I think the interesting thing on it, and, and I think I mentioned it to you in that interview was playing was it it almost tastes like they used a champagne yeast i don't know that they did but because it you, you've got that effervescence that you talked about plus that dry finish yeah i don't know what they used that'll be uh well here it is it says <laughs> it says when the archangel gabriel foretold the birth of john the baptist Basically, he's given a biblical story on this thing. Yeah. It says nothing about the yeast. Of course so, not. There you go. Um, yeah, there you go. Well, you know what? Uh, we talked about skiing. Yes. And uh, I thought this would be a good time to start talking about local ski resorts or regional ski resorts uh, um, that we want to go visit. We always talk about Bachelor and yeah. Meadows and... Um, but there's all these other smaller areas in in the area. Yeah, we talked like, about Anthony, Anthony Lakes a couple of years ago, yeah. right? Checking yeah. them out. So I thought <laughs> we'd profile COVID, some of these. And then COVID jumped up and slapped us. Slapped us right in the face. But um, but I thought we would profile uh, one of these. And I thought, because we're just doing this Wenatchee Brewery, that we'd profile Mission Ridge and learn a little bit about Mission Ridge, where it's at, what they've got going on, and... Uh, 
see what we can learn a little bit about Mission Ridge Ski Resort in Wenatchee. Cool. Sometimes I feel like an arrow. I came here in 66. I was hired at that time to uh, come here and be the ski school director. The first job I was handed a chainsaw and helped clear the parking area. That first summer was really interesting. We, we ran chainsaws and helped put the, the first two chairlifts together. So we've, we've seen a lot of changes, but uh, the quality of our snow is always uh, pretty special. Listing and rolling. My boss, Walt Hampton, died unexpectedly. I was given the job of the area manager, and I spent about 13 years in that capacity. And uh, I raised my family here. It was uh, it was a special, special time for me. In the beginning, folks all over the place were just kind of a standard fact of life, but as the new grooming equipment came along, we're winding up with a much better product. The guys that are actually doing the grooming, they take a lot of pride in their product, and uh, if it doesn't come out just right, why, they're, they're not happy campers. When you get a crew that are have been here and been involved for so many years, you're, gonna, you're just going to have great skiing. You remind me of a reason Had my son I like to, to ski where I can see, so having the sun out is, is a real high priority for me, and we get a lot of sunny days here. We're adjacent to a desert, so when we do get weather, we get, we get quite a bit of weather. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is, when, when we get new snow, there are more people on sick leave up here than any place in the county. But. <laughs> Uh, it's always drier, the snow is always fluffier, so many times the quality of our snow here is it's just head and shoulders above the other areas. I think it's uh, just a special place, you know, and, and uh, pretty neat to have it 15 minutes from my doorstep. All right, we're back. So that was a little bit about Mission Ridge yeah, up in Wenatchee. So it looks like a pretty good place to ski. It does. Um, and the world-famous Glen Plake. Glen Plake. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because I've seen a, a couple of things on him that you know when you when you seen him back in the days of Blizzard of Oz, he was just this kind of um, just arrogant skiing personality, and yep. you see him now, and he's just this real down to earth guy. Really cares about the skiing sport, not as the industry side, but as the community side. And I think that's really impressive. Yeah, I think, uh, again, as we get older, we start to reflect on the things that we did or did not do. And I think it kind of grounds us. So, And yeah. I think that's where Glenn Plake's at. And the last few things we've seen of him have certainly shown that, that mature side. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, Mission Ridge looks like a pretty cool place. i got to check that out. Um, so I was perusing around, and I saw this pass so lift ticket prices look the same roughly there as they do most places it's like 75 80 bucks for a lift pass so um and that's like most places right now oh yeah yeah so uh skiing is not a cheap sport these days no so that was be bopping around onto white pass which we'll talk about next week um but they've got this pass called the indie pass okay so and it kind of reminds me of the Independent Craft Brewers Association. So we oh, heard about yeah. Vale buying a bunch of these resorts and yep. other biggies kind of jumping in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so White Pass has, and Mission Ridge have this Indie Pass. <clears throat> and it's 50 resorts, 100 plus days on the slopes. Interesting. So it's 199 bucks. Any restrictions? 
Yep, so you got some restrictions. Oh, so. yeah. It says, why buy independent? This year, more than any other, we want to support local, independently-owned resorts. And as COVID-19 makes social distancing necessity, we want to uh, make less crowded slopes and lift lines. Yep. So the Indy Pass is this year's must-have pass. And with 15 resorts in the Pacific Northwest, it makes more sense. So this thing's pretty cool, man. It's a uh, it's a pass that covers a bunch of different resorts. They just added a ton of resorts. Okay. Um, so the ones they just added are uh, Jay Peak in Vermont, Buck Hill in Minnesota, Cannon Mountain out of New Hampshire, uh, China Peak in California, um, Snow King in Wyoming, White Pine in Wyoming, Tamarack in Idaho. So a bunch of cool stuff that's new. Yeah. However, you look at this map and there's dots all over the U.S., but in the West region are these awesome different places. So we talked about China Peak, but White Pass, which is uh, in southern Washington, kind of between Mount St. Helens and Mount Rainier, is on there. Uh, 49 Degrees North Mountain, which is Chihuahua, Washington, Chihuahua, Washington, um, which I think is up past Spokane, kind of that northeast corner, I think. Hoodoo's on here. So out there, as we head into Sisters, Mission Ridge is on here. Uh, Port Angeles has Hurricane Ridge ski and snowboard area. I never even heard of this thing. Yeah, me neither. Little teeny place, 800 feet of vert, uh, three lifts, but still, that'd be badass. A little ski resort to ski out of there. Yeah. Um, Red Lodge out of Montana. Mount Shasta. Shasta. Yeah, actually, yeah. And Red Lodge is actually a pretty fun ski, uh, place to ski. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. So, Snow King Mountain out of Jackson. Oh, yeah. Is Snow King pretty good? Uh, yeah. Three it's lifts. Not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. It's a tiny little place, but yeah. And what about White Pine Ski Resort? Pinedale. Pinedale, Wyoming. Now, Pinedale I've heard of, but White Pass I've never skied. Never heard of that, huh? So, yeah, interesting stuff. But there's a ton of different things on here. You look, um, again, there's a bunch of Minnesota and Michigan and all that. So, But how this thing works is interesting. So um, once you've received a confirmation email about your pass and you've registered your pass, you're Uh good to go. Um, you get some lift tickets, so you'll get two free lift tickets at each Indy Pass resort with this hundred and ninety nine bucks. So Damn. basically, you get two days at each at of each these of places. Those areas. Yep. Yeah, and in addition, you can purchase a third at twenty five percent off the daily rate. So you could bring somebody with you or ski for another day. So, yeah. Um, you can only redeem one of those tickets per day. Okay. Okay, and after you've used your two free tickets, you get the 25% off discount. That's basically all you got. Right. Um, most Indie Pass resorts offer season-long, unrestricted access, but a handful will exclude certain holidays. So, like well, of course. Mission Ridge, um, Mission Ridge has some blackouts. Silver Mountain has some blackouts. Um, and there's a couple others that do. Yeah. Uh, and then some of them have like peak day blackouts, which is like the the week of Christmas through New Year's is a blackout. Yep. Martin Luther King, kind of that period, and then President's Day type thing are like blackout days. So that are typically there. Um, Indy Pass, Indy Plus Pass holders have no blackout days for an extra hundred bucks, two ninety nine total. So you pay two ninety nine. Two ninety nine, yeah. you get nothing. You don't have to worry about it. Nice. So you can roll with it. So. Pretty cool, um, but yeah, I was like, oh, how do you, how do you ski? How do you support independent ski places? Well, it, this is how you do it. Yeah, that's that's how you do it. But you got to have a lot of time off, and you got to have a travel budget the size of Texas. <laughs> well, I think yeah. Well, I mean, so two tickets, it would I mean, pay we for could itself. Hit, well, yeah, I mean, you could definitely hit a lot of the northwest on that pass. Yeah. But every place else, you're probably not going to get to. Probably not. But I'm just thinking. So, but, but if, it's it's an awesome way to support those small independent areas. If a lift ticket is seventy five bucks yeah. or eighty bucks, right? You're, you're covering it literally in two tickets. Yeah, two tickets is one hundred and sixty bucks, right? Um, so if, if we hit White Pass and Mission Ridge or Hoodoo and White Pass, yeah, um, you're taken care of, man. Yep. I mean that's 
four days of skiing right there, and and you're making money on the thing. Yeah. Um, and the deal is, if you want to spend the extra hundred bucks, you get uh, two ninety nine, and it doesn't take much to make that up either. No, so. I'm I'm thinking you spend the two ninety nine so you don't have the blackout problem. Yeah, and totally. go from there. Yeah, and they've got some lodging deals, which is kind of cool too. Um, some of these places have places that you can stay. Um, Washington's aren't that that amazing. They've got the Chihuahua Creek Inn and. Um, the Hurricane Ridge has a place, but anyways, um, I thought it was kind of cool, and I thought it was worth taking a look at. Yeah, very um, definitely. And then, being that we're focusing focusing on Mission Ridge, and then uh, White Pass next week, uh, again, they uh, use the Indy Pass, so yeah, check it out. Yeah, it's kind of cool to see that. So, go to IndySkiPass.com. Uh, maybe we can get somebody on for an interview. That'd be kind of interesting. Well, that'd be kind of cool, because then, you, you know, with the listeners, they could do their Indy Pass... And then also hit the breweries when they're done skiing. Heck yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Well, I think that's all we've got for the week, man. So a uh, huge thank to David Quick for uh, taking the time to teach me a little bit about uh, Wenatchee Brewing and the scene that's going on there with the breweries. Um, check out Badger Mountain Brewing. It's a fantastic brewery. Um, there's a bunch of other breweries in town and uh, certainly a great place to have a beer and then head up to the mountain as well or float in the river if it's the middle of the summer. Yeah, so, very definitely. Big shout out to Benedictine Brewing and the St. Gabriel Dubel. Enjoyed that beer. Good beer. And then uh, this year's commercial release for us, uh, once Jubilale. again, Deschutes Jubilale 2020. I'm going to have to grab a couple of these and hide them in your fridge. <laughs> hide them in the very back. Hide them in the very back. Yeah. Yep. Then we can pull them out in five years. So. See how many moves they make. Yep. But, uh, yeah, we'll come at you next week with uh, something new and exciting. And with that, I guess we say Tim Beers. Tim Beers. Thanks for listening to the Portland Tim Beers Podcast. Be sure to visit the Portland Tim Beers Podcast on ACAST.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. If you love the Tim Beers Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, Tim Beers. Tim Beers.